This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Well, it's that time of year again. Summer has zipped by so quickly and we're talking back to school again. Seems like just a year ago, Jen, we were talking about back to school and here we are again. It goes by awfully quickly and my kids won't start back to school until in September, but I know that in a lot of places, school's already starting up in August and so it's time to talk about it. How to talk about it as much as we want to resist. So I've got some statistics for you. Let's go. All right. In 1980, 14% of boys said they didn't like school. In 2001, 24% of boys said they didn't like school. Now, I'm not a statistician. I know you are. I don't know what that increase percentage is. And fast forward to 2019, I don't know what the increase percentage would be, but I'm guessing we're getting close to half of the boys would say they don't like school. And, you know, boys will say recess is their favorite subject. And have been saying that for decades. Problem is, one of the changes that has happened and probably part of the reason why these stats are going the direction they are is that increasingly recess has been cut or eliminated. So a lot of schools have taken away the very thing that boys were relying on to get themselves through the day. Exactly. You know, so I think you and I probably used to look forward to going back to school because we're kind of studious and I was a teacher, so I love school, but your kiddos might not be feeling the same way. And they may be able to say that they hate school but they may not be expressing that clearly. So you got to pay attention. It may be playing out in other ways. There might be more spats with their sister. They, he might be feeling a little grumpier. So it's good. Or to physical feel- symptoms. Physical yes. symptoms, the Pumpkin. stomach aches, the headaches, 
more and more people are realizing that, you know, those physical symptoms are manifestations of anxiety as well. And we can often miss that, especially when we're busy and caught up in our own lives. Yeah. Yeah. So start now paying attention to what's going on. And we'll give you some tips in this podcast about how to kind of make that transition a little easier, but start to recognize, you know, it may seem really far away, weeks and weeks and weeks away, but kids know it's coming. And if it's scary, maybe they're starting a new school or going to middle school. It's time to start talking about, hey, how are you feeling? What's going on? Do you really think that's the best approach? No. As soon as I said that, I thought, no, that's not the best approach. So I knew you'd call me on that. What would you say? For me, I always start with observing and listening. Uh, It has become next to impossible to avoid back to school. Kids can't avoid back to school, right? Because the ads are on the TV, they're on the radio, they're in the mail that we bring in. And uh, I've told you before, but Sam, my youngest, 13 now, he gets very upset when he sees the back to school ads and displays showing up in stores and in newspapers. And he has been known to methodically shred the newspaper ads with the back to school things. He knows he has to go to school in the fall, but he sure as hell does not want to be thinking about it when he's only halfway through his summer. Yeah. And so by watching his reaction to things, that kind of gives me a, a window to be like, I mean, it's pretty obvious when your kid is ripping up a back to school flyer. <laughs> uh, Sam, what's going on there? <laughs> how are you feeling, Sam? <laughs> and he didn't, right. I don't have to say how you're feeling. And let me tell you, he didn't just rip it up. He ripped it up. Then he took the small pieces, put them in uh, the wood stove and set them on fire. So he has some very strong feelings about school. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I would love to talk about how we can help our kiddos transition starting, you know, of course there's the whole change your sleep and get them to bed earlier and start that, you know, a few weeks before school starts. There's those kinds of things, the physical environmental things that it is really helpful to start looking at earlier than later. I also think it's important to start talking about, and of course, age appropriately, but talking about, you know, what would make your year Mm -hmm. go well? And, you know, there's going to be homework. So when, when do you feel like homework, when do you do your best work, homework? Mm -hmm whatever it is. Do you want to get up in the morning and do it? Do you want to come home from school and have a snack and play? Do you want to do it, you know, at the dinner table right after dinner, but really start to have the dialogue about what's going to make your year go well. And this you can do no matter the age of your son. I don't care if he's in kindergarten. I don't care if he's in high school. They can be involved, of course, in managing their lives at a different level when they're 16 than when they're six, but you need their input. Ultimately, their school experience, the academics, the social aspect, the extracurriculars, their school experience is their school experience. So as you have these kinds of conversations with your son and as you observe things, helping together to identify what's important to him 
about this school year? What does he hope to accomplish? Let's say you have a little one who's starting kindergarten. He may be anxious about making friends. Prioritize that Mm -hmm. with him. Help him prioritize that. If you have one in high school and he's really into football and that's clearly his priority right now and he's starting practices even in the summer because that's when they practice. All right, it's okay. And really good for your son if you figure out how to work with him to prioritize his football practices and the the meals and calories he needs and everything else can feed into that. Your school probably has a policy where he needs to maintain a certain GPA and behavioral standards to be on the team anyway. So work with him to prioritize football, quote unquote, because while you're doing that, everything else comes into play, but you're working through a lens of what's important to your son. Yes. Yeah. Always the starting point. And it's okay to have your expectations in there too. You know, I expect that we have family dinners three nights a week or whatever it might be. So it's a conversation and it's about being really deliberate about your schedule and everybody's needs in that. A kindergartner and the 16-year-old and And mom and dad and yourself. Absolutely. And family time, it's really important It's an important message that you give to your kiddos that, you know, it is still important that we have family time. Even if you want to be out dating and playing football and all those things, we still have family time on our schedule that we honor. Honestly, that's the biggest thing you're going to have to fight for if your kid's in kindergarten or your kid is in high school. And I encourage you to fight for it because everything is grabbing at you and pulling at you. There's homework, there's after-school activities, there's enrichment activities, there's extracurriculars. Everything wants your time. And these are all good things. But we know from experience and from really good psychological research that family relationships are incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And it takes time to build and facilitate those relationships. So that's the thing that you're probably going to have to put the most effort into. And now that I am this far into my parenting journey, I've had two kids graduate from high school. I am seeing that I think personally, it's more valuable to focus a lot of your time and energy on preserving that than obsessing over the school part of school. Mm. Yes, you want your kids to try and to do well. But remember, globally, we are growing children here. Their grades is not the sum total of who they are. Absolutely. Nor are their extracurricular activities the sum total of who they are. So really be mindful about how many activities you're scheduling for your child. And especially if they're starting, you know, into first grade or they're starting into middle school or a new school, maybe you've moved, start off slowly. They don't have to do dance and karate and soccer all in one term. Along with family time, be sure that you're scheduling unstructured time so that your child has time to maybe just come home from school and go out in the yard and daydream or lay on the couch and read a book and just chill. Mm-hmm. So important, especially 
as our kids like us are now living this high pressure world where really the message that we are all getting is that we always should be doing something productive and beneficial. We humans need that quiet time to fulfill our spirits and to be creative and to be imaginative and to feel at peace. We have to shut down and slow down every now and again. And part of that too is processing all that they are learning at school, all the input around social dynamics, all of that. They just need time. We all need time to just kind of let that let that run in the back of our minds while we're just, you know, looking at the blue sky or whatever it might be. And with that processing, as we've been talking about scheduling and how to come up with a sane schedule and, you know, really thinking through your son's priorities, your family expectations, it's going to take a little bit of time and it's okay to experiment. It's okay to start out the school year and say, okay, here is our tentative schedule. Here's how we're going to handle homework try it for a while. Mm -hmm. If it's not working for whatever reason, adapt, change. You are not stuck with what you agreed upon before the school year even started. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get tossed some um, unexpected challenges, let's say, that you couldn't possibly have foreseen when you were buying the notebooks this year. Stuff is going to happen. You're going to have to redo your plan. It's going to require some flexibility and resilience in both you and your children. Mm-hmm. How you handle those really can lay the groundwork for your children both in school and in life because this resilience, this problem solving, that's ultimately more important than what your kid got on their social studies test. So I was a teacher and I'd love to chat a little bit about teacher-parent relationships. All right, then. It can be so fraught, as we know, (laughs) from our dear Sam's past experience with his art teacher. Indeed. Indeed. So, you know, you, you may or may not get those emails home from teachers, but, and, and I admit that it gets harder as you go up in the grades, middle school, high school, they have multiple teachers, but when they're in elementary school, they typically have one central teacher and you want to be friends with that teacher. Mm-hmm. starting off the year with a friendly note or some way of just saying, hey, I'm here, I support you, rather than waiting until a problem has cropped up, it's really good to establish that relationship early. And and it's tricky because as the parent, we think, oh, this is a one-on-one with the teacher. But you have to remember the teacher has... 20 some kids, which means they have 40 some parents. So you have to be really respectful of how you're communicating. Ask if she hasn't told you, hopefully she will tell you. And I'm saying she, cause it's elementary school and it's likely a female teacher. Hopefully she has said, you know, I have office hours from here to here. I answer emails at this time, send me a text. She will hopefully tell you how she wants to be communicated with. Standing in the hall when you're dropping off your child and trying to talk to the teacher at the beginning of the day does not work. Your teacher's mind is going 28 different places. Mm -hmm. So that's not a good time. It's a great time to say, hey, I stopped and got you a cup of coffee and hand her (laughs) find out what her favorite drink is. 
that is so appreciated. One family that I know, she has six kids, so she cooks a lot and she just makes extra soup or extra casserole and brings it to the teacher for a meal or to be able to put it in the freezer. And oh my goodness, how supportive is that, right? As a parent, really try to be cognizant of the fact that your son's teacher is only human, that your son's teacher has so much pressure on her. Like you said, she is likely juggling the needs of 20 plus children who have very diverse needs. There can be such a wide range of abilities and needs, especially in an elementary school classroom. And she's got all this pressure from administration and everything. If you can go into every interaction from your first hello, even through the problem solving, with this with this recognition that she's trying her best. Her plate is full. She yeah. is trying her best. That will help you establish some rapport. Like recognize that she's got a challenging job and she's under stress. Yeah. That helps the teacher be seen, which just naturally makes her feel a little more um, open to what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that as parents, we want our teacher to love our child and know our child so deeply. And yes, and much of it is for the teacher to discover. As a teacher, I wanted to get to know the kids on my own without a lot of background information. Interesting. It wasn't helpful to me to have a full page email of this child's life experiences up to this point. Some of that is important information. You know, if his father passed away when he was three, this is good to know all of these things. And, and as a teacher, I have taken time to get to know the families. And if they've been in school for a while, you have that familiarity, but be cautious about oversharing too soon about your child. If there's something really important that's going to impact a school day, absolutely. But I want to discover this child and, and help him blossom in his, in his way without a lot of background details. I wish somebody had told me that 20 years ago. <laughs> I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits. And I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month. 
and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. It makes perfect sense. And maybe I wouldn't have been as ready to hear it then as I am now. Because while you're saying that, what I realized is that your son's relationship with his teacher when he's young and teachers as he's older, that's a separate relationship Mm -hmm. from his relationship with you. So certainly the same kid, the same core kid who will likely have, you know, the same core hopes, fears, dreams, challenges. But how your son interacts and behaves with his teacher is by definition going to be different than how he interacts and behaves with you because that teacher is a different human being. They may connect on an interest that you don't share. They may be similar or different in personality uh, traits in ways that you aren't. That's okay. That's a good thing. Part of what our kiddos learn in school and that helps them learn about themselves is learning how to get along with different people. What are some things that are helpful for you to know at the beginning and through the school year? So, you know, you mentioned big things like if a parent has passed, that's important to know, you know, marital status of the parents who's got custody. Of course, those are 
crucial things. Mm -hmm. I know that as the school year went on and I kind of was more comfortable with my son's teacher, sometimes I'd even just shoot an email to say, Hey, um, he, for whatever reason, he didn't sleep very well last night. So I'm sorry if you have a challenging day today, but I just want you to know that this is what's going on. Yeah. All those little tidbits are helpful. Don't need a lot of backstory. Just, Hey, he had a really rough night last night. He might be kind of sleepy today. Those are good things to know. You know, if he's got some attention issues or he's just an extra wiggly kid, you know, the teacher's going to figure that out pretty quickly you may have figured out a strategy or two that works for him. That's helpful to know. A few weeks into the year, the teacher is like, I don't know what to do with this child. Help me out. And hopefully the teacher is reaching out and that there is a a good flow of information back and forth. But I think the biggest thing is what you said, remembering that the teacher has 28-some kids with 40 some parents and administrators and they they likely have their own family that they are tending to as well so all the little nurturing things that you can do for your teacher a mason jar of flowers from your yard they're simple little things it doesn't have to cost a lot of money but it's the gesture or just a little note like hey i hope you have a great day the one i've seen going around on social media lately um a teacher did a chart basically with different pencils, sharpening different quality pencils from like the really crap pencils that you just get as prizes and things. And they're coated in, in plastic because it looks cool, but you can't sharpen those things for anything to like the higher quality number two pencils. This lays out exactly why these are better, better pencils than these. And let's face it, this is a chronic problem for teachers. Kids don't have pencils. They have to sharpen them. If the teacher requests a certain kind of pencil, get the pencils if you can do it. If you can't, that's fine. But if you can, do it. It's going to make the teacher's life easier. It will make everything easier. Any little bit of stress you can take off her plate will ultimately be good for your kid and all the other kids in her classroom. Yeah. And if you can buy an extra box of pencils, do it. If you can, do it. If you can't, that's okay. Maybe someday has your back. That's right. We are all in this together. Let's see. You want to talk about Kindergarten to first grade transition. When do I know my child's ready to go to first grade? I have several parents right now who are trying to decide whether their son is ready for first grade or if he should stay in kindergarten for another year. One family, their son has done kindergarten, but he's close to the cutoff date. Okay. And he was a preemie. So okay. developmentally, he's, you know, there's a question there. And th- another family is the son is really big, physical size, but he is has some other sensory processing challenges. So there's a question, should he go to first grade because he looks like a first grader or should he stay in kindergarten even though he's a head taller than all the other kids? Boy, that just goes to show how individualized these situations are. Those are very different um, situations and they may require different answers. Generally speaking, I am in favor of giving boys extra time. Boys' brains typically mature more slowly than girls' brains. The parts of the brains that handle language, that handle fine motor skills, so that help them do things like read and write and sit still in the classroom. It 
typically takes longer for boys to get to that point. So giving them extra time at the front end, whether that means you keep them out of school for a year or you wait to start preschool or kindergarten or they have an extra year in kindergarten, generally speaking, I'm in favor of that. What about you? I am absolutely in favor of it. And I have talked to parents on the other end who did wait and they were so grateful because their son is just that much more mature when they go into middle school, when they start to drive, when they start to date, when they go to college, they have that extra time under their belts that they have had to mature. Because that's the other thing to think about. And it can be hard when your kid is only five or six, but if your kid is on the the slow end of maturing or he's just one of the younger kids, right? So he's not as mature as the kids who are almost a year older than him. That's going to be true when he's 13, 14, 15, 16 as well. Mm -hmm. And you can't even tell as much necessarily at age five and six, but when these kids are starting to be starting to be 14 and some have full beards and some look like they're eight yet, it's a huge difference Mm -hmm. and it can impact how boys feel about themselves, uh, their social status, just everything. So generally I would err on the side of giving the boy extra time. Mm -hmm. And studies are coming out around the kiddos, boys especially, who are close to the school cutoff date, so they're the youngest in their class, statistics are showing that those are the the kiddos who are most likely to be diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. Absolutely. And I've seen that study. I will look for it again and um, put a link in the show notes for you guys because it's fascinating work. It really does give weight to waiting if you can with your son. And also the recognition that school likely does not meet all of the needs of your very active boys. And so you have to take up some of the slack and again, plan for it. If you've got a really active boy who's wiggly and it's hard to sit still, he needs to move his body, make sure that you plan your day so that before school, he has an opportunity to move his body for 20 minutes, 30 minutes if you can. And number one, his teacher will thank you and he'll be able to attend and be able to listen and do his work and and participate in a way that is that he can feel successful. School is going to be an important part of your son's life, but at no point should it be all of your son's life. He will make friends, he will learn things, but you will need to continue to feed his personal interests and needs outside of the school setting as well. Giving him time to move, giving him time to pursue his own quirky interests, That is all super important to his development. And when you recognize and prioritize those things, that ultimately helps your son be more content in his own skin and do better in school. Because he realizes then this is only a part of his life. This isn't who he is. Yeah. And that really speaks to the pressure that we put on our kids, the expectations of, you know, of course, we'd love for all kids to want to go to college and be successful there. And quite 
honestly, some kids are not college material. And we can't have all kids go to college. You know, I took my dog for a walk today and at our local elementary school, there is a crew of probably 15 guys. And it was all guys today on the roof, re-roofing it. We need people to roof our schools and our homes and to pave our roads and to build our homes. Mm -hmm. We need these people. And to make that as much of a goal and aspiration as all the other things. So really, you know, you know your kid best, but make sure that they have the full array of opportunities that are available to them and be careful of how much pressure you put on them. You know, their grades in seventh grade, sure, we want them to do well, but that is, as you said, it's not the be all and end all. And we need to relieve some of the pressure on our kids, boys and girls. And our families. If we as the parents can sort of, this is going to sound counterintuitive to some people, but if we can minimize the importance of school, and by that I mean, don't make it be the focus of everything. Don't make it your kid's academic achievement is the most important thing. It is just a part of their life and your life together. That is a much healthier approach for your children and for you. And when school gets stressful this year, and I guarantee it will get stressful this year, you can follow all of our tips and it will still get stressful this year. If you can remind yourself of that, School, this is just a part of our lives right now. And then refocus yourself onto something else that is going right with your son. That will make all the difference in how you're able to get through this school year. And we hope you have a great one. Happy back to school. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.